Good morning, C3. Thank you so much for joining us. We could not be happier that you are with us today. Church will begin in three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've kicked Justin out of the van this morning. Don't need him. Maybe we do. <laughs> so glad you guys have joined us today. I encourage you guys to sing along and worship with us. the devil on my throne I got blood on my hands The ones that I love are in danger I'm a fallen man But I found me a rhythm And he washes me clean I know that I'm drowning but trying But I'll never leave Know that I'm found, can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. And I am a man in need of a constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival. Got a lock on my soul, but I'll never let you in. Got the hell to hell chasing, my time's running thin. But I found me a rhythm, and it breaks down my gates. Sometimes it's hard to just listen, but I'm making my case. Know that I'm found, I can't keep hiding. Don't have a choice, but get stuck inside But I am a man in need of constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival.
Hello, everyone. Um, I just wanted to uh, welcome you today to our service and wanted to read to you from Psalm 130 uh, to begin our call to worship. Uh, Psalm 130 says, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. That's a wonderful verse, and I hope you'll uh, contemplate it today. Um, Please worship the Lord today for these wonderful verses and these blessings and this hope and uh, forgiveness that he offers us through through the Lord Jesus Christ. And pray for our service today that people will be moved and that the Lord will speak to them in a fresh and new way to encourage them and, and, and to reinvigorate them in their love and their service and their devotion to him. Thank you so much and have a great day. Never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God, and all my life you have been faithful. all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god i love your voice you have led me through the fire darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God it's all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that i am able i will sing of the goodness of god because your goodness is running out it's running out to me your goodness is running out running out to me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I'll give you everything cause your goodness is running out to, it's running out to me 
Every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life, you have been faithful. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am. Okay, good morning, good morning, C3 family. Good morning. As you can tell, uh, this is probably not as uh, professional uh, presentation as uh, you're used to. We apologize for that. Our uh, professional technical director is on, on, tour. on a world tour singing to uh, people. For thousands. Uh, thousands and thousands. Seriously, thousands so, and thousands. So anyway, he's not here to help us do this in a better way so you're gonna to have to bear with us to, to help thing one and thing two yes. figure out this we hope that you can hear us and understand us and we're gonna do the best we can so do we're gonna speak up loudly we're gonna try our best we're gonna yes. speak loud so okay. thank you guys for the worship it was uh as always it's glorious and we're so grateful and we're grateful that uh you could be with us today and uh we are already prayed that the lord would speak to us and that you would receive um, something fresh and good and life-changing that would give you hope and encouragement and wisdom. And God's big enough to do that, and we trust that he will. So welcome. Glad you're here. Um, we ended our series last Sunday on the Shema, yep. and I'm just sort of a mixed bag of... Uh, I'm ready to move on to something new and good. And but fresh. you thoroughly enjoyed that. It was wonderful, and I'm that's very, I'm very grateful for it. It impacted me with with goodness and encouragement. And I hope it did you. But today, I wanted to talk about uh, something else, totally unrelated to that. And I want to start off by just making a statement, and I think you'll give a hearty amen. Well, um, see. Um, great things in any and every area of life do not come quick, they do not come easy, and they are not gained by the lazy or the faint of heart. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And yeah. that includes grasping the things that God wants us to know from his word. Learning to do that 
well, effectively. It's not something that is achieved quick or no, easy, no. nor by the lazy or by the faint of heart. To your point, neither is anything great. Yeah, marriages and great literature that when people write it and art and music right. and businesses and rearing children, nothing like that is, is quick or easy or for the lazy or faint of heart. And grasping God's word, uh, receiving what he wants to say to us falls into that category as well. Uh, in John chapter six, St. Peter says something pretty significant to the Lord Jesus, and he's speaking as a representative of all of the disciples when he says, um, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. And if that, I believe that to be true. He believed it to be true. The disciples believed it to be true, and I do too. And if that's true, then it's vital, in my opinion, that we learn to move past just reading the Bible out of duty, out of habit, out of uh, a, a desire just for knowledge, for more knowledge. And we learn to read the Bible in ways that help us really grasp things that God does not want us to miss. Um, learning to read the Bible so that we grasp what are the what are the core things, what are the key things, what are the main things that God is trying to say to us? Um, how can we grasp those things? Now, some people, some of you even, might say, "Well, everything in the Bible is core. Everything in the Bible is key. Everything in the Bible is important." Um, I'm not going to argue with you, but I would say this, and you can think about it and see if I'm not right. Everything in the Bible is equally true, but not everything in the Bible is equally important. Hmm. Let me say it again. Everything in the Bible, in my theology, is equally true, but everything in the Bible is not equally important. John 3 is more important than Matthew 1. That's a genealogy. I'm not saying the genealogy of Jesus isn't important, but it's not as important as John 3 or Romans 3 or Romans 5 or Romans 10. I just, you, you, you see my point, I think. Um, there, um, some things are more important. Uh, and one of the key ways, at least in my journey with the Lord and my study of the Bible, uh, in learning to, rec uh, in, in grasping those things that God really wants us to get, those things that he really doesn't want us to miss. One of the key ways to do that is learning to recognize biblical patterns that run through the Bible. Um, there are key patterns that run through the Bible consistently. And these things communicate significance. They communicate importance. Um, in counseling, people come to me and say, uh, you know, they want to talk about their problems, their relational problems. And what they so often want to do is they want to focus on the worst things that the mate does and the best things that they do. <laughs> Just predictable. We but all a, do that. But a good counselor wants to guide them to focus on what are the patterns? What are the normal, don't talk about the worst thing that's happened in your marriage. Don't talk about the best thing that's happened in your marriage. 
Those aren't the norm. Those aren't the patterns. Those are, those are the exceptional things. And exceptional things have meaning, but what's more important in relationships, in my opinion, and, in, and what's more important in the, the Bible message is what are the patterns? What are the norms? Those things uh, communicate what's truly significant. And um, the Bible writers, they put patterns, they intentionally wrote the Bible in such a way where they placed biblical patterns at significant and strategic places in the Bible to emphasize this is important, this matters, this is something you ought to pay attention to. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, same in, I mean, Bible is a piece of literature. It's, yes, it's the same in literature, yes. of course. Um, and th- these these patterns that were placed intentionally in the Bible by, by the biblical writers under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, they, they communicate God's heart, God's passion, God's um, plans, His ways, um, uh, yes, it, it communicates things about God that the Bible writers really want us to get, that they really don't want us to miss. It also, these, Bible, these biblical patterns, also communicate that the Bible is not just a random bunch of events or ideas, but that it's a unified Message. There's a unifying message that runs through the Bible, and that and that also communicates to me that it was written by a unified author. It's not just 66 random people writing their thoughts, but that there's someone guiding those 66. Well, it's it's more like 40 authors, but nonetheless, um, uh, writing these 66 books. It's not random. There's 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 unification that runs through all of the pages, all of the chapters, and all of the books of the Bible. Well, so it begs the question, how do you recognize these biblical patterns? What do, how do, if, they, if they're real, Larry, and if they're important, and I should recognize them, I ought to discover them, how do I do that? That's a good question. Glad you asked it. And I would say that one of the ways we discover these unifying biblical patterns is by looking for words, events, ideas, themes, um, symbols, motifs. That, motifs that are repeated over and over again, and where you see these these where you see repetition in ideas or events uh, or motifs right. or whatever. When you see repetition over and over again throughout the Bible, I believe that that communicates that's a biblical pattern and that means it's important and that means that we ought to pay attention. Um, So what would some of those uh, motifs, those patterns patterns that, that that continually repeat themselves, they pop up, Time after time after time. What would some of those, Shirley? You you read the Bible. What would I some do. of those? What would some of those repeated biblical patterns be? What baptism. Baptism is a huge baptism one. Baptism is that, one. That idea that we, that the people of God go into either literal water or something that represents water, right. and they come out different. That's correct. Yeah, that's that's a huge 
repeated biblical theme or symbol or idea. What are others? Well, let me look at my notes. Okay. Uh, Oh, yeah. Loss and restoration. So something is lost and then it is found. It's paradise lost, paradise restored. Yeah. Uh, Talking about the Garden of Eden. Yeah. That was lost. And then really the Bible talks about that over and over again, this theme of something being lost normally because of sin and rebellion and disobedience and rejection of God's ways. Yeah. And then it's restored. It's found again, right? right. Okay, what are right. others? That looks, uh, it looks different ways in, in literature, okay. classic literature, but one of those lost and found, what would be like if a person falls down and gets back up, yes. uh, often in, in fine good literature, that is a resurrection sort of motif yes. or restoration. Yes, absolutely. You know? Yes. Yeah. And the reverse can also be true. If the person is like good in his character and goes down and comes back up, it's different than he. When you go down, you come back up different. different. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, and that's a baptism it is. motif, oh, and it's repeated it throughout yeah. the scripture. Some oh, others. reaping and sowing. Yes. Reaping and sowing. Um, in the, the, hmm. the book, the literary the classic Victorian novel, Tess of the D'Urbervilles. She is, she actually reaps what other people, what, mm. some of what she's sown, especially at the end, what others have sown, that there is this principle. And the interesting thing about it is that she is a farmer. And so she, she literally reaps what she sows and she figuratively reaps what is sown. And that idea runs through the Bible yeah. continually. People sowed things and then they reaped them, right? Um, pride and humility. Right. You see that over and over again, this theme, this repetitive theme of what does pride look like and how does it impact people? What does humility look like? How does it impact people? Fear and faithfulness. Fear versus faith. Fear versus faith. Um, what are, I, 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 I know, wrote I wrote some more. Um, 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 forgiveness and compassion and how that impacts people versus unforgiveness and revenge. Um, you see it over and over and over again. These are these are huge repetitive When things. God says, vengeance is mine, <clears throat> and people constantly in literature and in life, I'm, I'm sure, <laughs> take that themselves and say, well, I, you know, God's not fast enough, not God's not vengeful yes, enough, I could do better yes. job. It always ends badly. Yes, thank you. Um, ha- the haves and the have-nots, yep. the rich yep. and the poor. Again, in all that the Bible says about that dynamic, why that is, um, how they relate to each other, how God wants them to relate to each other. Um, again, um, I mean, these are these are these are themes, these are patterns that just continually run from one end of the Bible to the other. Um, the impact of sin on people and on those that those people love or care about. Yeah. God's faithfulness versus man's unfaithfulness. Um, yeah, I mean, we you, you see our point. There are hundreds of patterns, motifs, themes that continually and consistently run through the Bible. When you see, when you start to recognize those, God, what God's saying is, stop, ponder these, consider these. How do these are important? How how? Should you apply that, relate to that? Do you see my warning? Uh, do you see the, the the open door of opportunity that I'm creating for you at, right. by revealing that to you, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and then you see it again and again and again. Don't you know he's like, I've shown you this a lot of Repeatedly. times. Repeatedly. <laughs> yes, yes. But so often we just read through the Bible 
I read my Bible today, or I went to church and I heard this sermon, but do I see, do I recognize the significance, the emphasis, the importance of certain themes that are repeated over and over again. I want to talk about one today. Oh, okay. Just as an example. You know, you're sitting there going, what? Give me an example. Yeah, where are you going? Well, let me give you one. Um, This is an important one for me that has really impacted me in a profound way. And this this pattern that that I'm going to show you runs through the Bible would have to do with this biblical principle of what I focus on is what I desire. What I see is what I desire. And how I respond to my desires is going to determine our result in whether or not I experience life or death. Let me say it again. What I focus on or what I see is gonna determine what I desire. And when I desire something, how I respond to that desire is going to result in either me experiencing life or it's gonna be experiencing death. Let me show that to you. Genesis one, God created two people. One of those people's name was human and one of those people's name was life, Adam and Eve, but their real names were, God would have called them human and life. And God uh, gave them the uh, assignment, the responsibility of both enjoying and giving care to all that he created, except one thing. And that was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't touch that. Yeah. Don't, don't get away from it, leave it alone. Um, and basically I'm paraphrasing, but what God was really saying to Adam and Eve in that is based upon everything that I have given you, everything that I've done for you, and everything that I've revealed to you about myself on our walks through the garden every day, Will you trust me? When I tell you to leave that tree alone, will you trust me? Tragically, um, Adam and Eve said, no, no, we won't. And then in Genesis 3, what you see is um, uh, this pattern that I'm going to show you, and that is that it says that Adam and Eve, and these are the exact words in the Hebrew language that are said. It says, Adam and Eve saw the tree. They desired its fruit, they took the fruit and ate it, and they experienced death. They saw, their focus was on the tree. What they saw, they desired, and what they desired, they took. And the result of that was death. And that's a powerful story in and of itself. If that was the only thing that was stated, and it was only stated once, you'd go, wow, that's pretty uh, significant. That's a powerful story. But the thing is, that exact pattern is repeated multiple dozens of times. Let me give you some examples. Um, In uh, in Genesis 15, God tells Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a little boy. And that little boy is going to grow up and he is going to be a part of something that I'm doing that is... It's cosmic. It's it's eternal. You you cannot grasp how that little boy is going to play a part in something that I'm doing. The Bible says that Adam and Eve believed God. But over time, they really got impatient. Uh, They got frustrated. And they started struggling to, to trust and wait on God. 
And then the Bible says this, Sarah saw, her focus, saw Hagar and desired what Hagar could give her, which was a baby. And she took Hagar and gave him, gave her to Abraham. He slept with her. And the rest of the story would declare that they experienced death. They're the exact same words as in Genesis 3. Sarah saw, she took, and she, I mean, she, I'm sorry, she saw, she desired, and she took. Exactly, and she experienced death. I'll give you some others. Um, uh, in Exodus 32, um, I'm sorry, let me, do, let me go back and do Genesis 37. In Genesis 37, you know the story of Joseph. God, uh, Jacob sends Joseph to, to, to check on his, her, on his brothers who are out watching the sheep and the goats and all that. And so uh, it says that the sons of Jacob saw Joseph coming. They desired, exact same words, desired to get rid of him they took him and threw him in a well and then ultimately sold, sold him to some um, traveling merchants, Midianites heading for Egypt. And the, and the result, they experienced death. Um, uh, Exodus 32, Moses is up on the mountain and uh, getting the instructions from God to give to God's people. Aaron's been left in charge. He's down with the people. And the, and the Bible said the people get uh, very frustrated and discouraged Moses has been up there too long. So they get very frustrated waiting and trusting, just like Abraham and Sarah, just like Adam and Eve. And the Bible says this, Aaron saw that the people were frustrated and discouraged. He desired to create a solution. He desired to make things better. He took their gold and made an idol. He saw, he desired, he took their gold and made an idol, and Aaron and the whole nation experienced death. I mean, do you see this pattern in Joshua 7? I want you to see this. In Joshua 7, the Bible says that Achan, he's gone, you know, he, he's in the people of Israel, or they're in the promised land, they're starting their invasion and their conquest of the promised land, and God has told them already, I'm going to give you cities that you've never built. I'm going to give you crops that you never planted. I'm going to give you herds of, of livestock that you never reared. I'm going to give you wealth beyond your imagination. But when you conquer the first city, which is Jericho, which is the name of Ivy and Shelby's little girl, by the way. Um, but when you conquer the first city, it's mine. The first fruits are mine. Don't touch it. So Achan goes in into Jericho after God told him that. First thing, the Bible says, he saw the gold and the silver and the beautiful clothing. He desired it and he took it and he experienced death. In Judges 16, Samson saw the Philistine woman. He desired her beauty. He took her and he experienced death. In 1 Samuel 8, the Bible says that Israel saw Saul, hard to say, he, the Israel saw Saul, they desired him to be their king. They took him and made him king and they experienced death. One last one, 2 Samuel chapter 11, maybe the most famous. The Bible says that King David saw Delilah. He, I'm sorry, thank you. Bathsheba, thank you. Um, David saw Bathsheba 
He desired her. He took her. And David and Bathsheba and David's family experienced death. This, this pattern, and it's the, it's the same pattern, but it's also the exact same words. And, it's, and, and I could give you numerous other examples that just continue this pattern all the way into the New Testament. This idea that what I see or focus on is what determines my desires. And how I respond to those desires, if I desire it, do I just take it? And if I do that, I experience death. Because it's repeated over and over and over again, what's that mean? It means it's important. It means God is saying, stop, think about this, apply this to your life, don't miss this. Yes, everything in the Bible is true, but certain things that are repeated over and over and over again are more important. Don't miss them. Okay, I want to stop and I want to just as we end, I want to give you three quick lessons that I took away from my study of this one pattern that we just talked about and all those people that exemplified that pattern. Three things that I took away, three lessons, if you will. I want you to consider with me the impact of rashness and impatience. I want you to notice in all, I don't know how many examples I gave, maybe 10. Yeah. In all 10 of those examples, the problem was never that God said no. God never told one of those people no. Hmm. The problem wasn't that God said no. The problem was that God said wait. By example, Abraham and Sarah, we want a baby, we want a baby. And God didn't say no. In fact, God said, I want you to have a baby more than you do. But he said, I want you to wait. Achan, Achan, I'm gonna give you all of the gold of all, and all of the silver and all of the beautiful clothes of all the cities of the promised land. But I want you to wait till after Jericho. No, you wouldn't wait. Um, Israel, I want, uh, we want a king, we want a king. I know you do, and I'm going to give you a king. I want to give you a king. I told Moses hundreds of years earlier that Israel was going to get a king, and I told him how the king was supposed to rule. I know you want a king, and I'm going to give you a king. But I want you to wait because I want to give you a king like David, not a king like Saul. Would you wait? Would you wait? So the problem's not that God says no. The problem is God just often says, wait. And it gets into this whole idea of people that are takers versus people that are waiters. And I don't mean folks that bring you food in a restaurant. I mean people that are willing to wait. Just think about people, Abraham and Sarah, they wanted a baby, so they tried to take it. Jacob's sons, they tried to take their father's favor by killing their brother for all practical purposes. King Saul, even Judas, Judas Jesus deserves honor. Jesus deserves power. Jesus deserves recognition. Jesus deserves to rule. What Judas wanted for Jesus wasn't wrong, but his father was saying, he's going to have to wait. Do you see my point there? Sure. Versus people sure. that were willing to wait. People like Moses. Father, God, I want to go into the promised land. I want to go into the promised land more than I want anything in the world. You're going to have to wait, Moses. He waited until the Mount of Transfiguration, and Moses was allowed to go into the Promised Land. Um, Boaz, he saw Ruth. He desired her, 
but he didn't take her. That night in that uh, grain threshing, threshing uh, deal, yeah. um, he could have taken her, but he didn't take her. He waited. He wanted to do it right. And people that wait, they don't experience death. They experience life. And I, I can give you example after example. That's why Peter says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and at God's perfect time, he will exalt you. Second lesson that I took away from this biblical pattern, and that is the significance of not asking God for his help. If you'll notice in every one of those examples from Adam and Eve all the way down to King David, not once did those people see something, they desired it, and then stop and say, God, would you help us? I want, I see this, I want this, but I'm looking to you to provide it. None of those people stopped and asked. They just saw it, they desired it, and they took it. And the, the lesson there is God wants us to carry our desires and our needs to Him. Yeah. The, the impact of, of not asking God is so costly and painful. That's why Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, Tell the Father every day, give us our day, give us this day our daily bread. And in Psalm 50, the psalmist says, or God says, call upon me and I will come to you and deliver you. In Mark 10, a blind man comes to Jesus for help. He stands before Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? Everybody in Israel, but apparently Jesus knew what the man needed. No, Jesus knew. But it was important to Jesus that that man verbalize, that he asked Jesus to be healed for help. In James chapter four, the Bible, uh, James says, you have not because you ask not. And in Jeremiah 33, the prophet says, or God says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. And then Jesus in Matthew seven says, you think your fathers are good? My father's better than all of your fathers combined. And he delights in giving good gifts to people who will ask him. There's something clarifying. There's something purifying. There's something humbling about going to God with our desires and needs and saying, Father, I want this. I need this. Will you help me? Will you be my provider? You told me you would. Would you do that for me? There's something powerful about asking God for help. And then lastly, I know we're running out of time. I want you to consider for a minute the impact, not just of rashness and impatience, and not just the impact of not asking God, but also the impact of what we focus on. What do we regularly focus on in our lives? There's great power in what we focus on, what we see. In Matthew 6, Jesus says the eye is the body's lamp. And if your eyes are focused on that which is healthy, your body will be full of light. What's Jesus saying? He's saying that what we focus on is important. It will ultimately determine our lives if we focus on healthy things, That'll impact us one way. If we focus on unhealthy things, that'll impact us in another way. So the question is, 
What do I focus on in my life on a daily and regular basis? Paul said the exact same thing in Philippians 4 when he says, focus on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent, and what is praiseworthy. What's he saying? What you focus on is important. It will determine your life. Do we focus more on what is fleeting, what is changing, what is temporary, what is shallow and petty, what is angry or fear creating? Do we focus on what dulls us or deceives us or numbs us? Or do we focus on things that are true and honorable and eternal and lasting and grand? I mean, I have to ask myself, on a daily basis, do I focus more on anthills or on mountains? Do I focus more on puddles or on oceans? Do I focus more on fireworks or on the stars in the heavens? Do I focus more on cheap thrills or do I focus on things that will give me lasting life? That's why the, the uh, prophet Isaiah says in chapter 40, the grass withers, and flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. And I just have to challenge us today on a daily basis, on a regular basis, do we spend more of our focus on that which is eternal, that never changes, that is true yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and will be true a billion years from now? Or do we focus more on politics and sports and the news and Hollywood and social media and Wall Street? Where is our focus? And I'm not saying that those things are inherently wrong or bad, but what is my eye regularly and continually focused on? Do I focus on those other things so much, Shirley, that at the end of the day, I don't have time or energy to want to focus on what is noble and good yes. and lasting. That's true. Solomon says in Proverbs 14 that there is a way that seems right, but it ends in death. What a contrast to what Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, and that life will be abundant. What we focus on is either going to create within us death, or it's going to create within us life. I want to learn the important messages that God has for me. And I want that for you, and I want that for you. And I think by us noticing these patterns running through the Bible, that will really help us not miss the important messages that God has for our lives. Well, we're going to end today by taking the Lord's Supper. And I know I took a little too much time today, and I'm sorry for that. But I hope you'll forgive me. Um, we end our services by eating that which is a pattern that runs yes. through the Bible. Yes. A pattern that is, that again, it runs from the beginning to the end of the Bible, and that is that when, that when something experiences, something is often, uh, the innocent is given on behalf, I mean, yeah, on behalf of the wicked so that the wicked can experience forgiveness and redemption. That which is innocent and righteous and good is substitute, is taken in the place of that which is guilty and wicked. And God's Son, He gave His life. That which was pure and innocent and righteous, the Son of God, gave His life as a substitution for me and for you, for that, for those that were guilty and condemned, 
so that we could be forgiven and experience the righteousness and the forgiveness of God. And we eat and we drink that which represents his body and blood out of a declaration that we believe and we receive that grace. You join us if you can. We bless you for being with us today. Think about what we've studied, and I hope that it will impact how you read the Bible and what you take away as you read the Bible. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the lands of my heart In the fathoms of my soul When the waters of my fears begin to rise I feel your love taking hold In the valley of my mind On the road of the unknown When the shadows of my doubts are closing in You are the light that leads me home And when I breathe I don't understand but I can feel Every waking moment in your presence, this peace small and we go. Cause there is freedom laying all my worries at your feet. Even in my struggle, I'm serene. This peace won't let me go. When my strength is nearly gone, when my wells have all run dry, it's your kindness that will lead me to your arms. Where I find grace that you supply Cause when I breathe I don't understand but I can feel Every waking moment in your presence This peace won't There is freedom Laying all my worries at your feet Even in my struggle I surrender Your peace won't let me know Cause surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
Surely all that you promised So much more than I can see That we rest in the assurance That I have all I need Here in the Father's peace Is when I breathe in I don't understand But I can feel it Every waking moment In your presence This peace won't let There is freedom Laying all my worries at your feet again Even in my struggle I'm surrendering Your peace won't let me go Hey, thanks again for joining us this week. Come back next Sunday. We are Christ Community Church. That's Zach. I'm Chris. That's Sean. <laughs> and there's Derek. Come back next Sunday or come to the Botanic Gardens at 1015. Uh, we'll also be on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Y'all have a great Sunday and a great week.